0: Welcome to the Condo Market Analysis. I'm your host, Peter Zaluski of Condo Vultures. We're going to be talking about, we're going to actually do a statistical deep dive into what's going on in a condo market down here in the Tri-County, South Florida area of Miami-Dade, Broward, Palm Beach County. This particular week, what are we focus on? We're focusing on greater town, downtown Miami. This is the area that really sort of uh, seems to set the tone for what's going on with condos, not only in the big um, county market, but also uh, Broward as well as Palm Beach County. It's going to be a fun uh, discussion. I will do four segments in addition to this introduction. we will talk about condos. Then I'll do another segment on luxury condos. I'll do a third segment on the distressed condo market. And then finally, I'll do a rental market um, overview in terms of uh, what's happening in greater downtown Miami. Now, a couple things I want to point out to you before we go ahead and get started. Point number one, all the data is coming from the Southeast Florida MLS matrix. Southeast Florida MLS matrix. What is that? That's a database that realtors use to go ahead and market properties for rent or for sale. So if a realtor gets a listing, and what is a realtor, by the way? Well, there's somebody with a real estate license that joins a club to pay $1,000 a year, and for that they get access to a bunch of information, education, lobbying on their behalf, as well as this database called the MLS. This is where they market a property, and any properties that are put in the MLS, all ultimately commissions are paid uh, for them. There's an incentive that's offered financially, and therefore you get this marketplace of uh, properties that are that are done. So that is the MLS. That's where all the data is coming from. And also, too, another thing to keep in mind, if you want to look at any of the uh, charts or read anything that's been written for this particular podcast, uh, go to Condo Vultures Realty, condovulturesrealty.com, scroll down to the middle of the page and there, you'll see a whole series of reports that have been put together that also include charts. So it's a good place to sort of check out if you want to see and study numbers that uh, simply go along with this particular podcast so we're going to go ahead we're going to get started before we do let me tell you that um if you're not a subscriber to the podcast please go ahead and do so wherever you are listening to the podcast if you like what we're doing leave us a rating as well as a comment more ratings and comments we get the more likely we are to spread our message and help us accomplish our goal which is bringing straight talk to an overhyped real estate market and then finally if you uh, have a comment for us, please send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com, I-N-Q-U-I-R-Y at condovultures.com, all comments we receive, received. We go ahead and we discuss them during our reporters' roundtable, which runs and airs every Wednesday. So that being said, fasten that seatbelt, lean back, and get ready to enjoy uh, a statistical deep dive into the greater downtown Miami condo market. This is Peter Zaluski of the Condo Vultures podcast. Back in 1995, I got my real estate license, but I didn't practice for a number of years simply because I was writing about real estate as a journalist. 2006, I broke out and I launched a company called Condo Vultures. The idea was to try to use information, uh, data, and know-how to try to get the best deals on behalf of buyers. So if you are a buyer and you're looking for a deal, you're looking to try to understand the condo market in the Tri-County, South Florida area, myself or my team are here to help you to get a hold of us please call us at 305-865-5859, 305-865-5859, or visit our website, condovulturesrealty.com. If you're enjoying the Condo Vultures podcast and you want more information, but this information in the written word as well as charts, why not sign up for the Software Distress Market Intelligence Report? To do so, go to condovulturesrealty.com. Slightly below the main banner and logo, you will see a sign-up box. It's called the South Florida Distress Market Intelligence Report. Sign up. Simply enter your email address, hit subscribe, and lo and behold, every week you'll be sent a newsletter giving you the latest updates on what's going on in the distress market in South Florida. Welcome back to the Condo Market Analysis. I'm your host, Peter Zalewski. We be talking about greater downtown miami condos in this particular segment this is any and all condos that are um, basically trading in the greater downtown miami area what is the area well it is defined and these are these are definition we this is a definition we came up with the way back in 2004 2005 when we were putting this together and the way it breaks down is you have the MacArthur causeway in the center you have the Juliet Tuttle at the northern end and you have the Rickenbacker Causeway at the southern end. Interstate 95 will be the western boundary, and Biscayne Bay will be the eastern boundary. Now, with these uh, physical landmarks, uh, how does it break down into this great example of the Miami area? Well, we're going to have the Biscayne Boulevard corridor. That would be the MacArthur Causeway north of the Julia Tuttle. So it's roughly about, uh, about 12th Street north to about 36. Then from uh, the MacArthur Causeway to the river, Miami River, that is going to be the greater. That's going to be downtown Miami or central business district, and then the river south to the Rickenbacker Causeway, that'll be the Brickle Avenue area. So that's the way we're kind of breaking down this market. All three together represent Greater Downtown Miami. This is an area where developers love to build. Why? because uh, the city is very encouraging for new construction and new development. One of the reasons the city is so encouraging of this type of development is tax revenue, tax revenue, tax revenue. If you don't remember this, uh, back uh, 10, 12 years ago during the Great Recession, city of Miami had terrible uh, credit rating because property taxes just weren't strong enough, and um, – as a result, uh, they came to realize that really more development means more property taxes coming in. And if you aren't aware, property taxes basically break down into about two percent of the of the value annually, and uh, that will be about a third to the school board, a third to the county, and a third to the city. So the more properties you can build, and the higher the prices. Uh, that uh, for those properties, the more tax revenue coming in, which will allow the city to fund itself, the store to fund itself, as well as the county to fund itself. And remember, there's no state income tax in the state of Florida, so therefore, condo construction is a great way to sort of generate revenue, especially since a lot of people living in condos, they don't don't live here full-time or owning condos, they don't live here full-time, therefore they can't declare what's called the Homestead Declaration, which every Floridian gets in order to lock in their property taxes and minimize how much they can increase every year. If you're not declaring a homestead um, exemption as a resident of Florida, your property taxes will swing with the marketplace. And that means you're basically going to be paying a lot more than somebody, in theory, that uh, actually lives and resides in the state of Florida. So. What do we got going on in the condo market? And, again, let me remind you, if you want to see any of the charts associated with this, go to condovulturesrealty.com. Scroll down the middle of the page. You'll see a whole series of reports where there's written reports as well as charts. So what do we got going on in the condo market? We have currently just under 3,050 condos for sale, 3,050 in 2020, January through December You had 1,881 condos trade, 1,881. If I take those 1,881 that traded, I divide them by 12 months because there's 12 months in a year for 2020. I come up with an average of about 157 condos trading each and every month, 1,57. If I take that pace of 157 condos trading each and every month, I divide it into what's currently on the market, which is 3,050. I come up with uh, over 19 months of supply, 19 months of supply. Generally speaking, equilibrium in the condo market in South Florida is six months. Six months. Anything less than six months means there's nothing to choose from. The seller has the advantage. Anything more than six months means the buyer has the advantage because there's way too much to choose from. And lo and behold, we got 19 months of supply in Greater North Miami. So that means the Greater North Miami condo market is a buyer's market, despite and regardless of all the uh, hype that you might be getting from some of the realtors in the industry or some of the sellers. There's a lot of units out there, and anyone who tells you that uh, there isn't, um, you need to sort of uh, scratch your head and ask them where they're coming from. Now, what is going on in terms of pricing for a condo in Greater downtown Miami? Well, the average asking price is about 783875 bucks. 783875 That's the average asking price for a condo. The units that traded in 2020, what did they trade for? 502,320 bucks. 502,320. That's about a 56% difference between what the asking price is by a competent seller and what buyers actually paid on average. So what that means is that 56% difference means sellers still are charging a bit more than uh, the market ultimately will justify. What I like to tell people is once that difference between the asking price and the average transaction price on a building or in a market starts to get compacted to about 20% or so, then you start to get some actual activity where something could actually get done. Um, normally, when the difference is 8%, 12%, you tend to get a deal done. Right now, the asking price is about 56% high, so that suggests that suggests the sellers are much more optimistic than they should be, given the fact that there's 19 months supply, which means it's the buyer's market. Now, as important as price per door or price per unit might be, I would encourage you to not necessarily pay attention to it, but more so pay attention to price per square foot. Price per square foot gives you an accurate way to be able to compare apples to apples when you're talking about condominiums. And why is that? Well, think of condominiums uh, much like a, any other commodity, whether it be gasoline, it be pork bellies, it be coffee, orange juice, any of that type of stuff. When you get into a condo, the layouts are going to be about the same. The amenities are all going to be the same. There could be slight variations, but those slight variations, you simply adjust pricing somewhat on. It's not like a house, which is more like a work of art, where the lot could be different, the configuration, the number of stories, the this or that. In a house, it's a work of art. In a condo, you're talking about a commodity, and everything can basically be adjusted. So, Keep that in mind, and that's why I would encourage you to focus on price per square foot. Don't focus on price per door. That is a fool's errand. Now, what's the average asking price per square foot for a condo greater than Tom Miami? Sellers are asking an average of $549 a foot, $549 a foot. But the units that traded in 2020, they traded for $385 a foot. So anybody who tells you greater than Tom Miami is a great market where condo prices are going up, you need to tell them the average transaction price is $385 a foot. Which is remnant of reminiscent of where we were in two thousand six at the peak of the last cycle. So as much hoopla is out there about how great the greater than Miami counter market is, the average price is three eighty-five a foot. Some places are trying to get north of thousand dollars a foot, which suggests that they're completely out of whack. Completely out of whack. Now, what's the difference price per square foot in terms of the asking price and the average transaction price? It's about forty-three percent, about forty-three percent. So again, sellers are asking a little bit more than the market justifies. Um, and therefore, they're going to sit on the market longer and or they're basically going to reduce their price and the deals are going to trade, um, generally speaking. And that leads us to our next category, which is days on market. The average number of days for condo that's been on the market in, in uh, Greater Downtown Miami, 278, 278. That is a long time. You're talking nine months on the market. Most listings are six months. So if you're a realtor and you're taking listing for six months and you know the average number of days on the market is nine months, you got to ask yourself what the hell you're doing if you're inflating the price or if you're asking a very robust price when the market doesn't justify it. Now, the condos that actually do trade, how long does it take to trade? 171 days, 171. So that shows you in less than six months a place will trade uh, if it's priced appropriately. And what does that mean? That normally means that seller comes in very aggressive uh, with time. They start to realize they need to cut baits. On the price, if they want to get it done, and then lower the old ones. That price is reduced to a competitive price to place it and to trade. So that is good uh, insight into the graded onto Miami condo market. We're going to take a break. On the other side, break we'll get another luxury condos in graded onto Miami. This is Peter Zaleski of the Condo Vultures podcast. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And I wanted to alert you that if you have a property that you're looking to sell in the Tri County South Florida area. I would encourage you to reach out to Jenny Cortez, a licensed real estate broker with CVRrealty.com. She's my partner. She's been in the business for uh, north of 15 years. More importantly, she knows the market. She knows how to get a deal done. And she also realizes that it's more important to get a price that you can accept and sell the property rather than to hold firm on some price that's never going to be achieved and ultimately languish on the market. So, if you're looking to do a deal that you want a skilled expert who can help you sell a property, reach out to Jenny Hortis at 305-865-5859, 305-865-5859, or visit her website, cvrrealty.com. Welcome back to the Condo Market Analysis. I'm your host, Peter Zalewski of Condo Vultures. We're talking about the Greater Downtown Miami Condo Market. The last segment, we talked about condos. Now, we're going to talk about luxury condos. What is a luxury condo? Well, Everybody has a different definition of it. In fact, everything in South Florida seems to be luxurious even when it's not. Why? Because luxury is such a generic type of term. People use it to sort of associate value with it or prestige, but in reality, if everything is luxurious, there's no value to luxury, in my opinion. So. Um, for this particular report, what we're going to do is we're going to say luxury is a million dollars or more. So if something has a uh, asking price of a million dollars or more, seven figures, we're going to say it's luxurious. And if it has an asking price of $999,999, it's not luxurious. Simple as that. Are we right? Yes. Are we wrong? Yes. Is everyone else right? Yes. Is everyone else wrong? Yes. Yeah, everybody claims luxury is whatever they want it to be. We're telling you it's a million dollars or more. So, uh, this particular report is only those properties priced a million dollars or more. So, what do we got going on in Greater Darwin, Miami for luxury condos? Again, a million or more. 536 for sale, 536 for sale in 12 months of 2020. They only sold 107, 107 units traded. If I take the 107 units that traded in 2020, all 12 months, I come up with an average of just under nine luxury condos trading every month in Greater Darwin, Miami. If I take that nine uh, units that trade every month and grade it onto Miami, I divide what's currently available, which is 536 uh, units. I come up with 60 months of supply, 60 months of supply. That's five years. That means if no additional units are put on the market and, and units trade at the same pace they are, five years from now, effectively in 2026, everything will finally be sold. So that gives you some pretty interesting perspective, perspective about the luxury candle market. Now, when you get into luxury, some of the brokers will push back and say, well, you can't only really say six months is the equilibrium because people are dealing with luxury. They have more money than God, and they don't need to uh, sell, uh, and they don't need to buy, so they do what they want to do. So um, if you ask these luxury brokers, so-called luxury in air quotes, uh, how long does it take? Some of them will tell you 12 months. Some of them will tell you 18 months is what they need normally in order to transact. So even if we give them the benefit of the doubt, we say 18 months is what the norm is for luxury condos. Greater downtown Miami has 60 months. So this is a buyer's market times, times, times. Now pricing, what's going on with the pricing? This is interesting. The average asking price for a condo, luxury condo in greater downtown Miami, $2.13 million a door, $2.13 million per door. Now, the units that traded in the 12 months of 2020, what did they trade for? They traded for $2.18 million a door, $2.18 million a door. That means we effectively have condos that are priced today in Greater downtown Miami luxury that are 2% below what the average condo traded for in 2020. So, yeah, you heard me right. The average price of a condo today in Greater downtown Miami is 2% less then the average transaction price in 2020 greater down to miami and again 20 percent difference it gets interesting eight to 12 percent deal tends to get done this shows you that the people who have luxury condos in greater onto to miami they realize there's five years of supply therefore they are cutting bait and they want to sell what do we got going on on a price per square foot basis well the average asking price for a luxury condo greater down to miami about 870 a foot 870 a foot the units that traded in 2020 they achieved a the price of 722 a foot. 722 a foot. That's about a 21% spread, 21% difference between the average asking price and the average transaction price. Remember what I told you: 20% difference. It starts to get interesting. Eight to 12% of deal starts to get done. So you can see that the sellers for luxury condos in Greater Downtown Miami, they want to do a deal. Why? Because you got. 60 months of supply, five years of supply. Now, based on market, um, average number of days for a luxury condo on the market, 248 days. 248 days were the units that traded in 2020. took them 198 days, 198 days. So, um, again, appropriately priced places will sell. Those that are uh, too uh, rich in terms of the ask, they're going to languish on the market until ultimately the buyer comes up, which is less likely and the seller decreasing the price, which is more likely. So that's the luxury condo market in Greater North Miami. You can see five years of supply makes it a seller's market. Pricing suggests it's also a seller's market. So we're going to go ahead and we'll take a commercial break. On the other side break, we're going to get into the distrust condo market in Greater North Miami. This is Peter Zalewski of the Condo Vultures podcast. Before I started doing these podcasts, I basically was in the business of being a licensed real estate broker, a contributing um, columnist for the Miami Herald, as well as the Miami a real deal, but also expert witness work in consulting. So if you are looking for an expert witness or if you're looking for consulting services, a straight talk perspective as to what's going on in a particular marketplace, a building, or th- what happened previously for whatever your situation is, whether you are a an attorney, whether you are an institutional fund looking to invest, or whether you're a lender who's trying to come up with some sort of a strategy and approach uh, for your lending committee going forward. I just might be able to help you. To get a hold of me, please uh, reach out to Peter at CondoVultures.com. That's Peter at CondoVultures.com. Or give me a call to the office at 305-865-5859, 305-865-5859. Welcome back to the Condo Market Analysis. I'm your host, Peter Zalewski from CondoVultures. Now, we're going to talk about the greater downtown Miami distressed condo market. There are two categories of distress. One is called short sale, and the other one is called real estate owned or REO. Some people refer to it as bank owned. And what does it mean in uh, these definitions, and how do you sort of keep them straight? Well, pretty simple. Short sale means a seller who has a loan is going to come up short of repaying the loan. So typically what will happen in a case like that is the seller will bring in a buyer they will both agree to a price. They will then make an offer to the bank. And they'll tell the bank, hey, um, the borrower owes X. The place is worth Y. If you, you, the lender, want to avoid foreclosure, which is going to take at least nine to 12 months, there's going to be litigation fees. There also could be damage and other things involved with it before the bank ultimately ends up with it. Uh, do a short sale. Call it a day, move along, and uh, keep it simple. So that would be a short sale. Now, a situation where a short sale does not occur but yet uh, the bank actually has to take title to the property because the borrower has not repaid it, that will be called a real estate owned. It's a category that banks use once they take title to a property uh, through the foreclosure process. So that's called real estate owned or REO or bank owned, all one and the same. So what do we got going on in the distress market, which is a combination of short sales and, um, uh, uh, and real estate owned? Well, currently it looks like there's more than 20 distressed condos that are on the market. Again, combination of short sales and real estate owned And if you look at how many units traded in 2020, that's an average of about three units trading every month. Uh, distressed. If we take the three units that trade every month, you look at what's uh, currently uh, on the market, which is more than 20. You're going to come up with about seven months of supply. Seven months of supply, which by the way is very close to what equilibrium. That's equilibrium at six months. Now, why is that so close? Well, because the banks tend to be the ones who have the real estate owner, they're the ones who control what and when things are going to be able to sell. Therefore, it should not surprise you that uh, that number is very close to being equilibrium. But let's actually drill down into real pricing and real numbers in terms of the two categories. We'll start off with short sales first. Again, short sale is when a borrower uh, owes more than the place is actually worth. They get a buyer to come in and a deal is arranged where the bank accepts something short of what it's owed from the borrower and the buyer. So currently no properties are listed as short sales and graded onto Miami. Zero. Zero short sales and graded onto Miami. Units that uh, that are pending, which by the way, there's six units that are pending. The average asking price of 371 500 a door, 371 dollars a four a door or three twenty-four foot. Three twenty four foot. Now the short sales that traded in twenty twenty, there were seven of them. They traded an average of two hundred and eighty one thousand eight hundred and sixty bucks a door, two eight one eight sixty and what does that work out, price per square foot? Works out to about $303 a foot, $303 a foot. Short sales took an average of 193 days to close, so just over six months to close. Again, two eighty dollars a door, $303 a foot, and 193 days. Um, we do not have a number of um, amount of um, uh, supply. Uh, simply because there's no units currently available on the market. But seven did trade, and six are pending currently short sales, Graded On to Miami. Now, what about real estate owned? Again, these are the ones where the lender actually forecloses. They take title. Now they're stuck with the property, and they need to try to sell it. Currently, 22 units are for sale as bank owned in uh, or REO in greater On to Miami. In 12 months of 2020, 29 sold. 29 sold as REO or bank owned. That's an average of, remember, um, 12 months in, in a year. In 2020, 29 units traded, uh, so 29 divided by 12 months in the year. come an average of about 2.4 units trading each and every month. If I take the 2.4 units I trade every month, I divide it once on the market, which is 22. I'm coming up with nine months of supply, nine months of real estate-owned supply. A little bit higher than I would have suspected, but I would guess that probably has to do with the fact that it's the winter season, and we're we're still in the pandemic because of the COVID. Now, on a pricing basis, what is the average asking price for a bank-owned uh, condo in Greater Dome Miami? Nine hundred eighty-seven thousand six hundred seventy bucks. Nine eight seven six seventy. That's a huge asking price. Average uh, transaction price in 2020, however, is completely different. Average transaction price for a uh, Banglond condo in Greater Downtown Miami. $359,900, $359,900, just under that. That's a spread of about 174% difference between what the banks are asking and what the units ultimately trade for. Now, the percentage might be massive, but the high asking price should not be a surprise. Why? Because the banks have basically taken title. They've had an um, in- and sue a whole variety of costs and other things associated with it. And they're trying to maximize. So typically what a bank will do, they'll go ahead, they'll put the places on the market, and then they're going to try to maximize what they can get. But in reality, they can't always necessarily do that, and they tend to cutting bait on the pricing. And that leads us to our next um, uh, pricing uh, um, matrix, and that is average price per square foot. The average asking price for a luxury condo, excuse me, if a, a real estate-owned condo in Greater Delta, Miami, 449 a foot, $449 a foot. In 2020, the average REO traded for 308 a foot. 308 a foot. That's about 46% difference. 46% difference between the asking price and the transaction price. Again, 20% difference. It gets interesting. 8 to 12% of the deal funds to get done. And then finally, days on market. Uh, the average condo that is a, a bank owned or REO right now in Greater Until Miami, it's been there 128 days, 128. But the units that are appropriately priced as REOs in Greater to Miami, they traded in 88 days. 88 days. So, that suggests that you probably will see some price adjustments coming downward for uh, REO condos overall in greater alpha Miami as we go forward. So we're going to take a commercial break There, we're going to get into the rental market. If you're listening to this podcast, think about who else it is. Do you want to reach that crowd, which tends to be investors, buyers, developers, lenders, why not advertise on the condo cultures podcast to do so? Give us a call at the office 305-865-5859. 305-865-5859. Or send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com. INQUIRY at condovultures.com. Welcome back to the condo market analysis. I'm your host, Peter Zaluski of Condo Vultures. We're talking Greater Downtown Miami Condo Market. We talked about condos, we talked about luxury condos, we talked about distress condos. Now we're going to talk about the rental market. And a couple things to keep in mind before I get into the statistics. One, a renter tends to want to pay amount of rent and owner tends to want certain amenities. So what does that mean? That means a renter will typically adjust what they're willing to accept as long as they can stay within their budget versus an owner will adjust where they want, will live in order to, by a place rather than um, giving up on something they really want, they'll tend to move the location a little bit different. So that's something to keep in mind. So as a result of that, uh, when I'm talking about rental data, I'm going to be talking about not only condos, but also apartment sufficiencies, multifamily uh, properties, as well as townhouses. Why? Because a renter wants to pay what they want to pay, and they'll adjust what they're willing to accept in order to do so. So that's one critical point. Another critical point to keep in mind is that uh, the rental data we're going to be referring to, it's going to be based on the multiple listing service. As mentioned early on, Multiple Listing Service is a database used by people who join a club called the Realtor Association. They pay $1,000 a year, and for that, they get a whole variety of things, including access to this database where they can enter information, and they can try to do deals on behalf of others for a commission. So if anything is listed in the MLS, that a commission has to be offered. So what does that mean? That means, uh, generally speaking, a rental commission is going to be about 10% of the gross annual rent. So if a rent is $1,000 a month and there's 12 months of the year, that makes $12,000 of rent. The gross, Uh, the real estate commission on rental typically is 10% of the gross annual rent. So you got $12,000 in annual rent, take 10% of that, that's $1,200. $600 would go to the broker for the landlord. $600 would go to the broker for the tenants. So as a result, the actual landlord, they're going to end up with, instead of $12,000, they'll end up with $10,800 in rent. So they're paying the 10% big, if you will, for the commission. So if you are a corporate owner and you do not want to pay 10% commission on each of your properties and you have a three, a two or a three or a 400 unit building, you're simply not going to list the property in the MLS. And therefore, your rentals will not appear in these um, uh, numbers that I'm referring to. So when, when there's a corporate owner that doesn't list a property, that's typically referred to as shadow inventory. How do you know if it's shadow inventory? Easy. Typically, there'll be signs in front saying for rent, move-in special, uh, three months free rent. If you lived here, uh, you'd be home already. Those types of signs. When you see signs in front, that means, uh, you know, like things that catch your attention, that typically means it is a corporate owner and there's going to be an in-house leasing person or two who are paid a salary rather than uh, using the MLS where realtors use in order to rent it. So, again, all the statistics we're going to refer to, they're all going to come from the MLS. So they are not going to include the corporate owners, which, by the way, could be a significant number. During this last real estate cycle in Greater Downtown Miami, uh, upwards of 10,000 new rental units were added, which are not going to be included for the most part in this uh, in these MLS numbers. So something to keep in mind. So when people talk to you about rental numbers, understand rental numbers are extremely sketchy. They're not to be relied upon. And as part of them not being relied upon. Uh, something else you need to do. All the other segments we've done thus far, we've focus on average. What's the average? What's the average number of days? What's the average uh, price per unit, price per door, things like that. Do not do that with rentals. Why? Because rentals can be rented out daily, weekly, monthly, annually, furnished, unfurnished. If you were going to go through and try to separate everything, you would get so confusing You have such a small pool of data, it's not even necessarily worth doing it. So the workaround is simply to use the median, the number right in the middle. Use the median; it'll give you a ballpark idea. Again, keeping in mind it doesn't include the shadow inventory, so the numbers aren't accurate to begin with. But they, you know, it's the equivalent of looking your finger, holding it up, trying to guess which way the wind is blowing. But at least it gives you something to sort of go off of. So, what do we got going on of the rental market in Greater Downtown Miami? Currently in Greater Downtown Miami, in terms of listed, again, doesn't include uh, shadow inventory, which is corporate owned. Eleven hundred and ten places are for rent. One 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 zero. In the 12 months of 2020, 8,268 places rented. 8,268 places rented in 12 months. That's an average of 689 places renting each and every month. So I take the 689 that rented per month in 2020, I divide in what's currently in the market, which is 1110. I come up with 1.6 months of supply, 1.6 months of supply. So based on our rule of thumb, six months of supply is equilibrium. Less than six months makes it a seller's market or a landlord's market. More than six months makes it a tenant's market or buyer's market. This should be a landlord's market. Landlord ought to be able to ask for whatever they want because there's only 1.6 months of supply, an equilibrium six months. Well, as true as that might be, let me give you something else to consider. The median asking price for a rental in Greater Atlanta, Miami, $2,300 a month uh, for a place, $2,300 a month. However, in 2020, the median price for a rental was $2,400 a month. That means the the current asking price on a median basis is $100 a month less than the the median transaction price last year. So if this was such a strong market with only 1.6 months of supply, why would the rental asking price be less today than it was last year on a median basis? So something to keep in mind. Now, what do we got going on on a price per square foot basis? Median transaction price for a – or asking price for a a rental in greater North Miami, $267 a foot per month, $267 a foot per month. What did places rent for last year? 257 a foot uh, per month on a median basis, 257 a foot per month. That works out to about 3.9% difference, or so roughly 4% difference. Remember, 20% difference, something is interesting, 8 to 12% of the deal gets done. If this was such a strong rental market, there's no reason a landlord would be asking simply 4% more than what the median transaction price would be. So I rest my case there. And then finally, days on market. Um, median number of days on market for a rental in Greater Toronto, Miami is 43 days of places that uh, did rent in 2020. What did they rent for? Or how long going to take them to rent? 44 days, 44 days. So you can see, even though the pricing is very competitive, the number of days these places have been on the market is is virtually the same to what they've been on the market to when they rent. So that means that if something is wrong and the prices are probably too high. That's why these places have not yet rents if, in fact, there's only 1.6 months of supply. So um, do not trust the rental data. Uh, It simply gives you an idea. I would encourage you to really do your homework and really do your research uh, before getting involved uh, in, in taking the rental data. Uh, to basically forecast out um, whether you're going to make money or whether or not you can actually cover your monthly expenses. You're going to be a landlord. So that is the DeGridium from Miami condo market. Again, we talked about condos, talked about luxury condos, talked about uh, distressed condos, and we talked about the rental market in general. I want to remind you, if you're not yet a subscriber to our podcast, please go ahead and do so. Or if you're listening to your podcast, if you like what we're doing, Leave us a rating and some comments, The more ratings and comments we get, the more likely we are to spread our message and work towards accomplishing our mission, which is trying to bring straight talk to an overhyped real estate market. And then finally, if you have a comment uh, for me or anything about where, what we're doing, we want to hear from you. Send an email to inquiry at condovultures.com, INQUIRY at condovultures.com. All the comments we've received, we discussed during our Wednesday Reporters Roundtable uh, we'll read your comment on the air, and then we'll discuss it. So until next time, hope everybody stays safe, they stay strong, and we'll catch up soon. Ciao, ciao.